Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice, but now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum, this is The Potential Podcast. Welcome back to The Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and with me is my villainous co-host, Taylor Sokol. How we doing, Taylor? (laughs) We're feeling deliciously evil, Chris, as today's uh, amazing theme that we're having. Um, We're going full comic or full nerdum today. Yeah, this is is the first of our very nerdy episodes um there'll be many of these and uh these are inevitable (laughs) um (laughs) so today we have an exciting topic we're we're gonna break down 
our top 10 favorite comic book villain portrayals in film. Seems like a really long run-on sentence there, but that is what we're talking about today. So this is comic book-related movies and the actors who play the famous villains and our favorites from that. So we're going to break that down, but um, how you been doing, Taylor? How's it been going? You know what? It's been going really well, Chris. Uh, still um, currently still at home and keeping busy. Uh, but I tell you, it's been a very interesting week of sorts, and the week is not even over uh, when we're recording this. Uh you know, we had this conversation earlier. We're talking about um, since social distancing is in effect, and it's not like I can go out and meet people. So I decided to get back on the old Tinder game. And uh, frankly, it's a scary place to be and a slippery slope at that. But I did it. And a uh, fun fact that happened out of that was I met uh, some interesting girl. It's a nice, uh, cute gal. And uh, I ended up getting. Uh, <laughs> Roped into being uh, an impromptu bats ferret online, uh, so I was one of the contestants. And uh, moving on to round two, um, but yeah, that was uh, yeah, you quite got, interesting. You got the quote unquote rose, uh, and you were moving on to a second date. Look yes, and also crazy thing about it, yeah, it was like speed dating and my claim to fame all in one. So that was weird, but uh, that was that was one of the highlights of my week. Uh, but, uh, gotta, gotta love technology. God bless technology. Well, I, uh, the exciting news in my life is, uh, yes. I beat Red Dead Redemption 2. I yes, finally we beat talked about the, the main story, uh, yesterday. Uh, great game. Like I said, I love the game. A little, little too open world for me. Uh, I, I'm sitting at 81% complete as of today, which means I still have 19% of stuff I can do to get that full 100%. And this is the part where it's really like, it's the tedious stuff. It's all these these little uh, challenges and going around and collecting items and having to find the secrets and all that. So, um, But as a whole, the game, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but man, right now, California, we're, we're, uh, we just got this heat coming in. We had uh, 88 degrees today. It's going to be 93 tomorrow, 91 the next day. So... Uh, a little extra challenging having to stay indoors. I don't know what's been going on, listeners. Is that your stomach? But like, I had a full, full dinner, and my stomach will not shut up. It's it's almost being like, this is quarantine. It's it's oh, going. Feed me. Ugh. I was wondering what would break first, your dinner or your body. Oh, I'd like a slice of pizza right now. <laughs> so now we're gonna get into. Our top 10 favorite comic book villain movie portrayals. And again, this spans a whole list of comic book movies. This is not just Marvel, not just DC. There's plenty of other options out there. If the source material was a comic book or a graphic novel, this can fall into that category. So again, we don't know who we've picked. So this is really exciting. So go ahead and Taylor and give us your number 10. Absolutely. So number 10 coming to my list here, we're going to have From the Man of Steel, portrayed by Michael Shannon, General Zod. Mm. Uh, and yes, I thought uh, he's been portrayed more before, but Michael Shannon's performance is so great. He's so intense. It just, he did it for me. That's coming up number 10 for me. I had as number 10, I had Jack Nicholson as the Joker in Batman. Okay. Um, for me, he's really the first 
of the great movie villains because Batman was kind of the first like kind of what's what set up comic book movies as we knew it. You know, that's that kind of set the standard of what was going to come and uh Jack Nicholson just did a great job as the Joker. He's always one of the first guys I remember watching uh Batman being one of my first superhero movies I'd seen. So, um I got I got to include Jack in there. You are my number one guy. You have a dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> Coming in number nine is from the original Spider-Man series, Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe. Ah. Uh, it's, it's very interesting where we're at now with all the Spider-Mans. We'll get that to another time. But this was the first live action Spider-Man Huge. that had come out. And for such a strong villain, it had a great origin story. And Willem Dafoe playing dual roles as the, you know, the distant father and then this maniacal character sent on vengeance. And it oh. just, he had that distinctive voice and it just, it kind of scared you. Um, just like yeah. uh, Spider-Man, Spy- you're an amazing creature, Spider-Man. You and I are not so different. So it just, something about that. And that was one of the first uh, memories of mine going to a movie, a superhero movie in theaters. Cause that was 2000, I believe. I think so. Yeah. And, yeah. Cause then 2002 was the second one. And that was uh near and dear to my heart. That's my grandfather and I, he took me to see that. And we just, I just remember like, Oh my God, this is so great. And yeah, to this day, I still, I would just watch the movie for him. Cause he oh, yeah. just, he just, so it was the perfect amount of camp energy. Yeah. So that's me. Number nine. Bike messenger. Um, Enjoy the fruitcake. <laughs> For me, number nine, I have coming in from The Dark Knight Rises, I have Tom Hardy as Bane. Okay. I was wondering what would break first, your spirit or your body. Um, I loved his uh, interpretation. I know there was a lot of, there was a lot of kind of criticism around the voice and the use of his mask and how that played into it, but... There was just yep. something so he was so uh large and in charge and there was that brute force and I think it was we had just come off of it was like what the Joker brought to the Dark Knight was truly that sense of anarchy and getting Batman out of his skin and kind of like realizing that every choice has a consequence. And then so it was like a lot of mind games and all that kind of stuff. And then with this, it was just, like, pure brute force. It was pure, like, breaking down Batman and just, like, like, ah. Uh, I, I loved how uh, that kind of dark strength he had. And there was a bit of a yes. human element to him, too, with how they kind of, kind of threw in that, um, the whole kind of side story of um, Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Daughter, yes. Yeah. yeah. Which he, is great because it tied it all together. He was a villain yeah. that tied the movies exactly. together. So, yeah, and I love Tom. He's, you know, he's a great actor. Yes. Um, so that was my All number right. nine. All right, coming at number eight for me, and I wish I had more of these, but I'm glad I had this one just because it is a very male-dominated list, and that's nothing against female villains, but for me, these are the ones that come at me. But my only female on my list of the top ten, coming at number eight, is from Batman Returns, Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, first of all, Michelle Pfeiffer... What what a femme fatale, just seductive. Mm-hmm. She has those, she has the feline eyes, and that's so dark. And she just she embodied what Catwoman was. She was this the 
uh, just to toy with their prey. And the fact is that movie was like you had three villains, but that movie still was did really well. You know, there's trying to juggle so many villains or side villains, it doesn't work. But that one actually did a pretty good job. Plus, you get Christopher Walken, Max Shrek. Um, but Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> just she like I I don't want to uh, I don't want to tangle with her. And I just like she's just like the the outfit and just what she brought to that. I mean, that was one of the first. I mean, obviously, Eartha Kitt and all these other movies shoot in the 60s and stuff. But that was like the first big film that really kind of changed the image mm-hmm. of Catwoman is a lot more deadlier, seductive and much more, you know, sexual. Mm-hmm. And I just thought she was just like, oh, man, this is awesome. So that was my number eight. Michelle Pfeiffer all the way. Um, well, number eight for me, a very recent villain. I have Jake Gyllenhaal as Quentin Beck slash Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. I really loved what they did with Mysterio in that movie. Mysterio was a villain I remember watching as a kid, watching the cartoon series. So I remember a little yeah. bit about the character, but this is his first time on the big screen, and they did not, they did not disappoint. Um, it was smart marketing uh, to kind of play with aspects of the character. Um I won't say any spoilers if you've not seen the movie by this point, but if you have, how, it's almost been a year. You know, it's been it's been over a year now, coming up in the summer. But uh, when they get to some twists and turns with him, and just there was this great, you know, as a theater actor, there was something that was so fun to watch him just ham it up as as this kind of villainous theater actor. Uh, I thought it was a great representation of that character. Uh, and I'm hoping we'll get to see more of Mr. Gyllenhaal. We don't know yet. We don't know yet, but we'll see. We will see. And that was spoiler-free. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. I liked that. It was really good. Yeah. All right. So here is coming at number seven for me. Uh, this is where we're getting out of uh, superhero as comic. And this is me going to throw you for a loop. This is my childhood again. This is why I like this one in my ni- in the 90s. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Betrayed by James Saito, the Shredder. Shredder. Uh, the, the Shredder. Uh, I I don't. I'd like to go back and watch the new ones, but I still have a fondness for the original ones with the the costumes and everything. It was just mm-hmm. much more. It was much more fun and kind, but the good action and the first two, uh, the actor who played Shredder just had he had the voice and um, the just the. That was just so I don't know, just so intimidating because for me as a kid, but like the Shredder was just this ultimate bad guy that these goofy turtles had to face off with, and he's like, find the shred, find the turtles, and just like, exactly, like, I know, and he's got his like intimidating bodyguard. Oh, just yeah, like the new one they kind of they try to make him a little too intense, like with the like he was like a transformer. Yeah, he was like a like... transformer super suit. They were trying to do that, you know, gotta make it big and shiny because people need things to pay attention to. There was something better yeah. about the classic kind of form of him in the old Because he was he was a master in Jinsu yeah. and all that, and it was just very – he was yeah. more mysterious than a, a scary. You know, just like he didn't need to be all flash. Yeah. So, But, yeah, that was my number seven. Well, number seven for me is Michelle Pfeiffer as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. So oh, wow. I didn't, wanna, right. I didn't want to say anything yet because we're doing this one by one. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, she definitely uh, – she will – be the only female actress on my uh, top 10 here, but definitely deserves her spot. Uh, truly an iconic performance. And uh, I loved what Anne Hathaway did when it comes to The Dark Knight Rises, but 
she wasn't really a villain. They kind of played her more as an ally to Batman, which, of course, playing the games, knowing the comics, Selina kind of does take sides sometimes. She kind of does what benefits she even, her. She even marries him in the comics. Yeah, and even in, so even there's ba- a lot even of in Batman Returns, there's moments where it's like she's with him and then not. And But, I mean, just that kind of silly, ditzy klutz of Selina, and then once she turns, she just becomes truly, it's like this... Just well, you see both sides of her because she's just the people. eerie, creepy, you know, cat-like. It's just a very fun role. And it just, yeah, she definitely deserves her spot on my top ten. All so right. going on to number six now. Number six. All right. So this is not too recent, uh, but you'll remember this is one of the Avengers films. Uh, this is Avengers, and he's got his own name in the title, Avengers Age of Ultron. Ultron portrayed and voice motion capture and voice by James Spader. James Spader. Uh, First of all, this is the first... uh, Ultron probably will not be one of the the biggest names of villains that people will think of when they think of comic books. But to me, it was because of Spader's performance that it just killed it for me because he has that great way of being... um, Just to encapsulate a character who is an artificial intelligence that had all the knowledge... Um, of the world history and present and technology at his, uh, at his fingertips, so to speak. But he is the mind of a child because mm-hmm. he just he just created and all of a sudden he has to do this. And it's a really I, I wish I, we had more of him. I would have loved to have more of him because especially with him and the banter uh, with uh, Tony Stark, which is great. But James Spader, like, ah, I find it I find it funny you went quiet with peace. He just said that that that's creepy. The whisper, you know, is that like, oh 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 I'm sorry. Oh that's gonna that's gonna leave a mark, you know. Um, <laughs> and I was like, don't compare me to Stark. That's you Stark. Know? I know. It's just like. Uh, I love that. He's like, no one has to break anything. Clearly you never made an omelet. Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah. So that was uh, just James Spader. I'm a huge fan. And that's what, that's what sunk it for me. Uh, number six for Ultron. Well, number six for me uh, is Alfred Molina as Doc Ock slash Otto Octavius from Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And the girlfriend. <laughs> um, I love, I love when a villain has a, not only a good backstory, but they they give you something to kind of uh, sympathize with. It's not just all villainy, not just doing things because they hate the world or whatever. There was a there was a true kind of uh, passion to what he was trying to do as a scientist and what he was trying to do with with his family. And then yeah. of course, as things went awry, and you know his poor wife dies, and then like all you know, it's like you see how the the villain the darkness takes over. And there's, yeah. there's a bit of that in Otto is that he's he is this brilliant scientist and a mad he's, scientist. He's, he's got story. that he's got the right idea, but then he just takes it just the wrong turn. And truly, at that point in cinema history, I mean, I thought the first Spider-Man was a great film, but how they did Alfred Molina's great acting plus the 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 digital use of his octopus arms and everything like yeah it was so well done it was so cool and that's why to this day day, spider-man 2 still holds up as one of the best superhero movies of all time uh it's just epic and i thought he was a great villain i feel like we're gonna get a new doc ock soon i feel like that's that's gonna be something we're gonna get with tom holland's spider-man 
But um, yes. that was definitely well, you got the finish to sticks yeah, coming up. So definitely was a great uh, take on that. So that was my number six. I like that. Now we're getting right. to our top five here. Done our here we go. <laughs> Heart palpitations. All right, number five for me. Um, this is a great one. Uh, he has been betrayed in several movies for this character, and it was tough because um, he's been betrayed by a younger younger actor and an older actor. But he originated as an older version of what we came to know as one of the coolest mutants and most feared mutants, enemy of the mutants of so the X Men was Magneto, Eric Glensher. Portrayed by Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen. Uh, just what? Uh, oh, Charles. Uh, Charles. Oh, Charles, the mutants. I don't, he sounded like Sean Connery there. Um, what? I, we 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 both saw X Men when that first X Men came out. It was just like this movie. Just I was like, wow, this is so cool because it was just edgy, and but Ian McKellen had this charm and this uh, playfulness about him, but also like. I do not want to mess with him, but he just got, he had the right amount of menacing, but he also like not giving him an origin story. You really, you understood, you know, where he was coming. And you, the, the whole allegory of X-Men with um, um, segregation and racism and, and, and all this horrible things that happened through history. It's such a good allegory because of, what um he brings to the table so he's got that he's a very sympathetic villain because mm-hmm. you you understand based on you know they're the villains but you've got the humans are the 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 enemy as exactly. well so so it's really it's fear and then he just continues to put the feet that fear into the people is sir e mckellen as magneto oh so we, there we go great, here? great minds think alike um yeah. i mean I love Fassbender. I think he's also great Magneto, but yeah. he did not meet my list because whenever I think of that character, I'm always going to think of Ian McKellen first. Yes. Um, and it's true. There's just, there's something about him, him playing against Patrick Stewart. There's just, just there's this kind of, you see this respect and you see this, there's mature ways of how they're handling the situation, but they will turn on a dime to do what they have to do. And I yeah. think that's the thing about Magneto is you see that there is a kind of a, uh, it's that kind of, you know, high, high class, you know, way he carries himself. But if he has to kill someone to get his what he needs to do, he's going to do it. And I mean, that scene when he escapes the prison, he sucks oh, the, the metal the guy, you know, oh. and he sucks the metal of the guy's blood. So there we go. We uh, we had the same for number five. Now going on to number four. I knew you were holding that in too. I was I like, I was like, I'm so excited. <laughs> Get out of Christmas. All right. So number four, uh, I hope this makes your top four for me was going to be portrayed this character in many films of the course of the MCU cinematic history. This would be Loki. Tremendous job acting. First of all, uh, Tom Hiddleston is great. He's hilarious. He's so well-spoken and he really brought to the film the whole thor was this big shakespearean Very thing shakespearean. and and loki is just he's just this thespian you know this uh, this guy is a full diva you know uh, yeah. done here. <laughs> um he uh but he just had that that shakespearean of the spurn brother that that wasn't you know and just you just you hated him so much but you kept rooting for him when he was back oh, in adventure he's a completely lovable villain the guy you love to hate and you just hate to love yeah. and the fact that he's getting another 
lease in life coming up with Disney Plus of the Loki series where this whole like oh, what yeah. it scenario. It's just going to be more Hiddleston. I think that show is going to be amazing. But still, I just and it's great when I can talk to people about the new MCU movies and they talk about villains and Loki. People who aren't really big comic movie fans, they love him. Deliciously amazing. He, he did a, yeah, did a great job. Or is Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin slash Norman okay. Osborn? Longer than what you say, because you really set, you rounded up fine. But again, he was one of the first kind of uh, big Marvel villains, and he did do such a great job of setting up that world and that character. And um, we've had we had Chris Cooper in the the new the Amazing Spider-Man film, the second one, yes. and that was okay. They, you know, they did they went a very different way in those and. I have a feeling that if we do get a Green Goblin, Norman Osborn again with Tom Holland's Spider-Man, they're going to stick more towards kind of what Willem did. But um, just, I mean, chewing up that scenery. And But what was funny is when he was the Green Goblin, of course you were scared because he's got that mask on, he looks creepy, but it was almost, it's his performance as Norman as he's slowly losing it that makes you terrified. You see a Learning man that he's like he's blurring that lines of is this him or is this the goblin? And that's when it was always like such a such a fun to watch him eat it up. Well, yeah. your favorite scene, and we talk about this all the time, is the oh. whole Thanksgiving uh, dinner scene. I love that scene. It just it's you know there's these scenes. I always love scenes in superhero movies, and this happens in other movies as well. But especially superhero movies, there's always this thing of you know what's the main thing a superhero's never supposed to do? Reveal their identity because if they do a potential villain or something could try to go after their, you know, and there's always these moments and it tends to happen a lot with Spider-Man, which is the fun about Peter Parker and that he always gets in these situations. It's like, he's literally sitting there with his enemy unbeknownst to him. And then, you know, vice versa that that Spider-Man right there. And then any of these people could be killed and instantly. And it's just this fun as the audience, we know. So we're just sitting there going, Oh God, one long, one wrong line and the the gig is up, you know, and it's just yeah. so fun to see the two of them. And I love that moment when he's, he, you know, Toby Maguire jumps into the ceiling and then the one drop of blood goes slow and then yeah. Defoe like turns and you're like, you're at the audience. You're going, Oh God, this is it. You know, his face though, right when he yeah. turns and looks, it's Norman and he looks up and he goes and his face just crunches up and it's like, Oh my God, it's full goblin. It so and close. it just, Ugh. Oh, good, so yeah. Good. I, I gotta watch that again because yeah. it just gives me chills. So, yeah, good one. All right. On, okay, number, on to number three. Next three is two roles uh, were portrayed by two... It's the same character but portrayed by two different people. I had to put them just because of how much they brought to the table and how different they did that. So, um, and we had, we, it was okay if we do another, the same character, because again, yeah. it's portrayals. So this is what I did. So coming up number three is going to be from the Dark Knight series. But Christopher Nolan would be as the Joker. I grew up just like you uh, with Jack Nicholson. Ledger did to that role, the first live action role that really kind of almost changed the game, whether you're a comic book fan or not. Would have loved to see in a live action, but Mark Hamill had been voicing the character forever and he still has his. And he's still one of the best Jokers of all time. Yes. Um, but Heath Ledger just had like being into that role see Heath Ledger at all you don't no. see and I and I was I'm always a fan of him on all the movies and you 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 have that 
He's got that Australian charm. He's got that swagger. But in there, there is no hint of him himself. Predictable. And what he brought to the role and, and just like cheat the whole time when he's in a scene. Look to the dirty, grungy look. And it was just this day. Like I, I watched The Dark Knight so many times just because of performance. When that oh, trailer. Yeah. For me, as Thanos, I really love what they did. With Josh Brolin. Thinking about Josh Brolin, I really mean Infinity War and Endgame. Yes. He had had a few moments in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy scenes, and then there was that quick cameo at the end of, I believe it was uh, at the end of Age of Ultron. After Ultron fails, he grabs the gauntlet yes. and goes, I'll just do it myself. Haunting to do a villain that's going to be fully motion cap so well. I mean, it's truly giving Josh Brolin full reins to really bring this character to life. And there's so much depth to him. And Infinity War really is like Thanos' movie. It's like really, it's really about him. And it's about him coming in, doing his thing, and trying to find the stones. What we had of all these movies, and we knew ever since Avengers, we were teased that we're going to get Thanos at some point. And that was 2012. So the fact that we had to wait till. 2018, you know, to get Infinity War and then Endgame last year in 2019. You know, it's like, it's a long time with not only the span of since Iron Man, but just, you know, the tease of Thanos. So I just love what they did with the character. I thought it was a great uh, interpretation. And you really were, you were worried when this person showed up because he just put everyone in its place. And you were like, yeah, this guy is this guy for a reason. And, uh, and I love the deal yeah. with it. And it was like he was the uh, it was his uh, that was his Empire Strikes Back. He was the Vader of that film. Yeah. Um, so it's funny you say that's your number three. Well, coming at top two here, number two for me, Thanos. Thanos is number two. Motion capture stuff. The fact that to put such a performance there, and also just that iconic voice. And mm-hmm. when you watch it again, you look think through his eyes, what he's trying to accomplish. Um, that he was a villain unlike other villains where what he thought was he was doing what was right, where some villains are just, you just want chaos, but he's like, no, I want to do something to save the humanity or save the universe. No so, matter the cost. Yeah. No matter what. Who is Heath Ledger as the Joker? Hey, that performance still stands out. Mark Hamill was doing the Joker and other voice actors, Jack Nicholson, uh, Cesar Romero. We kind of had all the same similar overall type. The comic of of the comic, the comic humor, the suit, all that stuff. The first time we really saw someone do a villain, so it still had the traits of the character, but do it a completely original take on it, and it's still to the this day of the Joker without thinking Heath Ledger. Wondered, I think The Dark Knight Rises is a fine film, and I like what Nolan did to kind of finish up Bruce Wayne's story in that. But I really, I have always wondered what would have been the story if Heath Ledger had never, you know, unfortunately passed. But, you know, we have this great film that, you know, and many other films that he was in. So that's my number two. Our number one. And number one, you probably guessed it, and because I kind of alluded to it, for playing the Joker. Everything about this role, he put his heart and soul in this role, lost all this weight, 
And Joaquin Phoenix is just such an uh, incredible performer. Tortured souls, such intensity. The burn and descent into madness where you have a lot of these movies where you've got a two hour movie, but he, this movie is him. The movie's all. Yeah, he's, and he, he is the movie. And it, you would think it, it didn't, it paid off. It didn't seem like it rushed it. Like you look at all these other movies, there is not a lot of, of build up. There is these little scenes I have to do, but the whole thing, it's like, oh my gosh, as it's, you know, turn after turn. And he just, he redefined the role again for the Joker as um, kind of a little bit based off, if, if nobody knows the comics, but the comics was, uh, idea was that the Joker was a, a failed comic. And that was one of his origin stories because the thing about the Joker, there's never been a proper origin story um, or, or who if there was, who would you believe? Yeah, exactly. There's so many different iterations of how unreliable uh, he's an unreliable source. So exactly. It's, uh, exactly. Oh, it was, it was a fantastic take and it's the first time in a long time you're seeing a full film just be based on uh, unwrapping a villain. Yeah. You know, it's like, Often these movies, the comic book movies, you get one or two scenes of them performing a crime or you see something happen to their family. So therefore now they're going to take over this dark persona or they get some dark powers. Yeah. This was just like a man who was beaten by the system, who was driven to the edge, you know, and he's and he becomes this kind of idea of a character that we've known for a really long time. And it's, well, you know, it's a cautionary tale and all that stuff. And um, it is, it is a fantastic movie and it's a fantastic performance. I mean, we, we absolutely love it. Is Tom Hiddleston as Loki. All right. Okay. Um, I actually did not even consider Joaquin for any of this list because I don't consider him a villain of his movie. Fair enough. So, um, but uh, Tom Hiddleston to me, uh, Loki is by far the best villain product to come out of the MCU. Yes, as you said, a character we're going to get to see more of. Theatrical, over-the-top, just fun about him. Again, he's had these moments where he can be very dangerous. There's, I remember that there's that scene in the Avengers where he has to, he has to get the, the eyeball out of the one guy, and he really... He's going to town on like attacking this guy, and he just looks up at the crowd, and he just has this big old smile. He's so happy yeah. to be doing this really dark deed. And that just shows, you know, he's the god of mischief. So he's had he's also had this bumpy road. You know, it's again, it's not just one, uh, one you know, kind of information. You're getting, you know, it's not just one typical like, oh, I need to fight Thor. It's like, oh, you get that he was, you know adopted and he didn't even know about his life and he's always been second fiddle to thor and uh it's just like there's been the way they've played him is a lot of humor but then again it's like one of those villains where one wrong move and he'll slip right out of your fingers and he'll and you'll pay for it later so i'm really excited to see what uh will happen with the loki series that was our uh top 10 uh so that was really exciting um and there's so many villains and you know, when you make a top 10, you, you know, there's so many villains, you're like, gosh, I, I wish I could yeah. include them. Well, you're in luck. We're going we're gonna to come back uh, after a little commercial break here, and we're going to do our honorable mentions. 
reckoning has been postponed for now. But I'm so excited for today's Doom Zoom party. But alas, where are all the fellow villains I invited? I, General Zod, the superior being, have worked this device. And I will find them. I will find them. I will find them! Who's the freak in the green? Riddle me this. Riddle me that. Who wants to meet my sweet, fat bat? Isn't he adorable? I named him Quizzler. <laughs> Look at my new riddle cam. Ah, where does he get all those wonderful toys? I'd be careful, Edward. You never know who may be watching your back. Boop. <laughs> I, Loki, who has been burdened with glorious purpose, am now calling from Hawaii. Look, see my background? It's magic. I can't see anything. My screen is frozen. Just refresh, Victor. so careless this zoom call been quick and easy and now that you've really pissed me off i'm gonna have it nice and slow hey everybody chill now let's get on with the business i'm starting to thaw over now our operation is small but there's a lot of potential for aggressive expansion whoa expansion we can barely get out of here to figure out Zoom call, man. Tony Stark was able to build Skype in a cave with a few boxes of scraps. Okay, okay, now calm down. Aren't we having fun? Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this does put a smile on my face. Seriously, guys? You just sent us all a Snapchat. Seriously, you slime. Opening it. Oh, Lord! Is that what I think it is? Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> I'll never look at that eggplant emoji the same again. Uh, this meeting is adjourned. Welcome back to the Potential Podcast. So now we're really excited to talk about those villains that wanted to make our list but just weren't quite evil enough. Did you say evil enough? Evil. Dr. Evil. Right. Um, so we're going to do, these are our honorable mentions. Taylor, and start off with your number five. Number five is going to be Ma'am, on Doom in the first Fantastic Four film. I love his acting as Doctor Doom. Okay. He just he just something about him is just he's got that very charming but menacing voice. And when he goes full Doctor Doom, his voice oh man, I was like, 
it was it was leaving me wanting more. Five is Jim Carrey as Edward Nigma slash the Riddler. Too many questions. Too many questions. Um, Caffeine will kill you. Him in this role. I think it's it is camp and it's ridiculous and it's over the top and it's very goofy, but it's so him. And there was this fun element of him getting to play kind of, uh, you know, a down as luck scientist kind of guy. It's just, you know, not being taken seriously. And then he starts to go on the deep end and take things into his own hands. And I think once he became the Riddler, there was this fun, you know, brought it back to the Adam West style of these over the top goofy guys. And all the outfits he had were so sh- like shiny and ridiculous. And, um, be one of my uh, favorites because of that. So that was my number five. That was your number five. Uh, that was my number four. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, j- just going off what you said, same thing, I would say double for me. Uh, no, but this also was my childhood as well. And yeah. Jim Carrey, I just like, I don't, Riddler is, there's no been a rule, there's not been another portrayal of it since then, but well, we had I, the guy. We had the guy in Gotham, but yes. in terms of like film, no, um, no, we've not had Riddler yet. We're gonna get one. And um, he he played the camp well. His humor was awesome, and he was just loving every moment. But it was just he was quotable, goofy, and it just that's oh, yeah. continue to watch that with glee. Uh, well, number four for me, Dwarf as Deacon Frost in Blade. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, a little little out there. Um, the Blade films starring Wesley Snipes to me they they progress into a worse direction uh, I think the first one's really solid two yeah. had some really great action to it but got a little it was getting a little weird and then three went off the deep end in my mind um, but the first one really set up the whole kind of world and I loved um, Stephen Dorff is an actor I've seen pop up in other projects but he's never really had like this huge kind of mainstream uh career at least from stuff that i've seen but yeah he's great in that movie there's just something fun about watching him be this kind of like he's kind of like the tough punk like you know all the old uh the council wants him to do things their way and he's just like over it and there was something really uh kind of creepy and scary about his portrayal but also that character. attractive too but like he's you know a- he, he comes off as you know way before we're gonna get twilight and get this sparkly like you know yeah. vampires these movies of the 90s like blade and you have a uh interview with the vampire there was supposed to be this element of like yes they're supposed to be attractive but they're still gonna kill you they're still gonna suck your blood which twilight yeah. kind of didn't really it had some of that but this yeah it's like he, he you're attracted to the power and he's of course attracted to more powers watch he goes off and does his thing but uh, yeah, one of my, you know, I still enjoy seeing that film when it comes on, and uh, so that's my, my number four. Three of Red Skull by Hugh ah, Weaving. Yes. Ah, Captain America, how exciting. <laughs> I'm a great fan of your films. Um, what I loved, <laughs> I just loved about him um, was, what I loved about this movie in general, and he encapsulated that, was it's just like an Indiana Jones movie for me. Yes. Your first Captain America, uh, first Avenger, was... Like in Indiana Jones, you got the Nazis, got World War Two, and Hugo Weaving is amazing as a villain uh, betrayer. Obviously, um, Agent Smith and all that, but and um, the Lord of the Rings, Elrond. But his uh, Red Skull was just great because he just played that just like 
that maniacal like uh the leader and and, and just like just a perfect like great world war ii stock villain yeah. mm-hmm. he just his voice and just uh, like i wanted more of him and that's why i was so frustrated um long story short because i knew he wasn't dead when i saw it, i was like no 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 he's something's happening but i wish i wish we got more of him because there is such a great um, you could say you know never say never um yes. but yeah he 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 was solid and and we all knew that when he was sucked into the tesseract we were like well, that doesn't necessarily mean he's dead. He'd just be somewhere else. But um, which we we find out what happened to him. But it's it's the character Red Skull, but not Hugo Weaving. But we might get you know you never you can never say never you know. Is Michael Keaton as Adrian Toomes, otherwise known as the Vulture in Spider-Man: Homecoming? Oh man, what a fun role! Uh, he would have he would have almost made my top ten, but I I ended up putting my honorable mentions. Um, I love this role. It, it it starts off very. They kind of did a fun like update of like, okay, now we're in this certain time period. The Avengers have had this tech from Thanos's you know space army. So like, they're playing elements of like how would he build a build like a flying suit and like a powerful gun and all this stuff. But really, what made that movie really enjoyable of like his villainous turn was when we got the big reveal. I still to this day remember my jaw hitting the floor when Peter goes up to pick up his date and the date's dad is Michael Keaton. And it I was didn't like, com- did I didn't not see that coming. That was a great little twist on uh, that story. And just from that moment on him being like, I'll kill you if you keep trying to get into my affairs. And it was just like, now yeah. we know where he's at. And I think what would be really cool is um, because they've been really great at casting these great villains for these this you know the new Spider-Man uh, franchise. If and when we do get a Sinister Six movie, when we get like, I mean Michael Keaton, Jake Gyllenhaal, the guy who plays the Scorpion, you know we're gonna get all these guys to combine. It's gonna be really fun to see them all kind of play with each other, you know, in trying to kill Spider-Man. Oh but, yeah. But Just... Michael Keaton, you know, famous. Yes, he'll always be Batman. But he's also the vulture, and one of the very few actors to cross over between two yeah. different genres. So good for him. All right, now you're gonna you're gonna think this is weird. This is my number two. Now, at times, he's not what you say a typical villain, but definitely an antagonist mm-hmm. to the protagonist. So you may you may not like this. This may be a little controversial for you, but I'm just doing it because I kept thinking about it, and I had to put him just because of his betrayal, but. J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson. No, he he, in all intents and purposes, yes, I wouldn't say he's a uh, super villain, a super villain, but yeah. he is not a favorable guy to Peter Parker. And, therefore... and I, I yes, I had to put this because J.K. Simmons just like that one of the highlights. If if you if you hated anything about any of the Spider-Man movies, the original ones, you cannot and, hate him. You cannot hate him, even if you uh, well, <laughs> I could go on about three and there's a lot of problems. Yeah. But um, he was just the highlight of everything because he perfectly encapsulated who J. J. Jonah oh. Jameson was just the fast talking, like cigar chomping. And it was just like he just great. He just and like he, he's and, fantastic in that part. Like to he, me, J.K. Simmons is on the J. top. Uh, if you do like a top, you know, top five most realistic comic book castings. 
yeah. and you know, portrayals, he's definitely up there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so that, that's a good choice. And the fact um, is, they brought him back for the MCU. They did. So now we have I was him. like, so now now we're gonna see what we do with him. Um, yes. Well, my number two, uh, I just love what he does in this film. Uh, not a typical, uh, not by any means known as a supervillain, but again, like you said, kind of like the antagonist of the film towards the the hero. This is Boyd Holbrook who plays Donald Pierce in Logan. Uh, if you remember okay. Logan, he's the one that has he's got the mechanical arm. He's kind of yes. like the the deep drawl southern accent. He's like the the main kind of cop that's been hunting Logan the entire time. He's not yeah. a cop, but you know his whole thing is he's supposed to be bringing him in. And um, there's just such there was some fun. I just love the acting he does in that film. And I think there's there's this kind of you know Logan is kind of like a western. It has yeah. this kind of like you know. On the, the old run, gunslinger. you know, old run, you know, like the old gunslingers, one last huzzah, trying to save this young girl, and um, it's not only one of my favorite comic book films. I think it's brilliant, but I love that they kind of didn't go so big with like a villain. They made it really. They were trying to make it really real and gritty. So I thought it was fun that they had this younger actor that, you know, he's part mechanical and he's hunting this mutant. And I, yeah, I thought he did a great job in that role. And he was right. he was remember I remember him being an actor. I was like. I want to see what else he does because I liked him in that film. Um, yeah. Know. Yeah. So that's my number two. Nice. All right. Coming up, number one for my honorable mention here. Uh, you had him in your top list, and um, I had to put him in my honorable mentions because this is my childhood as well. Uh, one of the first introductions of the character I ever had was Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Um, first of all, Jack Nicholson, any role he does is amazing. And that was um, for the time, that was a. Um, you know, even just if even if he was a little bit younger, he just he played he played the Joker as a very is comical and, and campy, but also just the gangster. He played the really mm-hmm. good, um, and he he had the he had the great thing about how he was charming, but also like this guy's like nuts, and it just oh, it's just so great. I just love Jack Nicholson. Like if you look at Jack Nicholson, you think of Jack Nicholson, you will always one of the top roles will be the Joker. It's just without a doubt. Why just, didn't you tell me he had one of those things? <laughs> I know. He's like, he's like, where does he get all those toys? And this he is great. You know, and you know, what's fun is like, you think of yeah. uh, the, you know, uh, paying homage. Uh, I love that. You know, they have that great scene in, in Tim Burns, Batman, when uh, Batman's coming down on his flying uh, bat, you know, bat wing. And then he's shooting at him and he's and just the rebel. Him, Come on, hit me, hit me, shoot me. You know, he's, he's, and I love how they they then doubled that for Heath Ledger when he you know with the bike scene, um, yeah, great little you know little little I think uh, homage to uh, I, yeah I I know what you're talking about that uh, it's like bike messenger knock me down. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my number one is uh, he was in your top ten. Uh, he had to be included in my honorable mentions because he is great as James Spader as Ultron. Oh, uh, nice! All right, uh, very fun role. Uh, Again, this kind of over-the-top theatrical element too, and it, you know, motion cap was coming along further, and I think we would never would have gotten Thanos the way he turned out if we didn't have that step of Ultron. Um, I thought James Spader has such a great way of speaking, um, even as a character in The Office. You know, he's he's known <laughs> to be he's known to do a lot of dramas and California, uh, you know, uh. but he's great as these comic characters, and this was a fun kind of use of. 
his use of words and language and how he kind of does his rhythms and uh, you know, know he, he's, he's like a... he's talking he's, he's sitting there and he, even when you're seeing that that first scene when he's first born or created and then yeah. you see that kind of messed up uh, Iron Man suit it's all kind of janky coming out and he's like you know puppets on strings you yeah. want to save the world but you you, you know it's just like so there's something that's so fun about that to watch and it, it really yeah. was a great that was a great heightened villain for the second Avengers film so yeah. James Spader uh, Ultron and you know we're gonna get we're also uh, a series coming up on Disney Plus if you've not heard about this is called What If and they're gonna do a series of you know shorter probably half hour maybe hour long uh, episodes and it's gonna yeah. be fun things of like what would have happened if this had happened instead in the main MCU. So there's chances that, you know, we might see Ultron again. We don't know. Never say never. Yeah, never, say say never. We might, you know, uh, I already know for a fact, Josh Brolin, I believe is, is coming back to be Thanos for an episode. So we're going to see a bunch of those actors come back, but those are our honorable mentions. Now, of course, as this is a villain in this podcast episode, honorable mentions are great. Our top 10 is great, but, we also have to have our dishonorable mentions. These are the ones we just can't really stand. Uh, we could do well without. So here's our top five, or I should really say our bottom five uh, dishonorable <laughs> mentions. So go ahead, Taylor. What's uh, what's your f- number five? All right. So um, this was a this was a tough one, but these were. I think they're polarizing. A lot of people don't, uh, most of them I think unanimously don't like, but for me, I've just sat back and like, when I look at, these are the roles that I just, they didn't do for me. The actor was the material, was it them or was it whatever, but I wanted more. And when I look back, I'm like, a hero is only as good as his villain. The villain's not good. Hopefully the hero can pull half the weight. And thankfully some of the heroes did for this one. So my number five coming in here is going to be Obadiah. Steam, Iron Monger, Jeff Bridges. Now I love Jeff Bridges. I absolutely yeah. love him. And he just, you know, he's the dude, he's the dude, man. Um, and but in that role, especially coming into all these other roles, thank goodness that Robert Downey Jr. did what he has done for um Tony Stark, Iron Man. He just incredible performance, and he is that character. But it wasn't really a good foil. It was just a very stock villain. You know, there was – I wish they'd really developed more of a, a bond like this, you know, that was he like a, more of a father figure, and then the the twist would have been better. But it just – you know, the only, the only saving grace for me – it was tough. The only saving grace in that movie was the line when he's yelling at the scientist, and he goes, Tony Stark built this in a cave! <laughs> the box scraps and i just like he was full jeff bridges that moment but uh yeah yes. just he didn't do it for me like if i look back iron man is like eh, you know i don't know so I mean, yeah iron man cool. will always be i can get why people you know it, it does hold up as it's a it's a good solid comic book movie but it was also it was such a gamble at the time so i can get yeah. why they 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 wanted to do some bold stuff but they also had to play it safe and i think yes. as, as the mcu's gotten bigger and the popularity has grown. They've gone to do crazier and bigger things. Like we would never have. It's it's so true. When, you know, as much as people bring it up all the time, we would never have had something like Infinity War and Endgame if we wasn't if we didn't have Iron Man. And yep. the thing is, you wouldn't have Iron Man if you didn't have movies like Spider Man before it and Batman before it and X Men before it. You know, Superman before it. 
all these, you know, all these movies kind of built the chain to, to go up. And speaking of Batman coming in at number five for me, um, is Arnold Schwarzenegger as Victor Freeze slash Mr. Freeze. Now yeah. here's the thing. Had, had his Mr. Freeze been put in a movie that was not camp and actually really dark and creepy. I think Arnold could have been the right actor for the job. Yes. There's moments in the film that actually really like him. It's typically when he's not in his suit and it's like he's talking about his wife and he's trying to like, you know, I'm going to save her. I think if they'd gone more with that and way less with the, you know, of course the movie was Batman forever was, was purposely camp. And there was a lot of that, but Batman and Robin like doubled down on that. It was like, we're going to go even further. And it's like every single line Arnold had was a pun or it was some bad joke about ice or freezing. Yes, I, yeah. Ice to meet you. What could the dinosaurs? The ice age. Everybody chill. It just, you know, it was too much. <laughs> and I mean, I will say in combination, Uma Thurman uh, as uh, Poison Ivy you know, it's like a similar, it's like almost a tie, but hers made a little more sense with how she played it. But it truly, I felt Arnold was just, you know, it was one of those like, not the best script, not the best director, but he, you know, hammed it up and he was, you know, very well known for that role. And I would love to have seen him play it again in like a Christopher Nolan universe, but that's not going to be the case. Now, yeah. having said that, it'd be great if we could get a really proper Mr. Freeze in the future. Who knows? Maybe in the Matt Reeves uh, world we might get one, but, you know. But that's my number five. Nice. It was funny. You said that was your number five. That was actually number four. Oh, there um, you go. Great mind. Thanks, the, the, the reason why I just put him on more just because I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I hate to put him there, but it was just it was just too over the top. But, again, that's what he was given, I feel like. And I know and you're saying – Sometimes the case. Some, sometimes the case is not – the actor it's what they're what they're working with what they're working with you know they could be given a certain uh script they might be given a certain direction yeah and you know um but yeah i just the the punning and all that was just but the look of the villain was great i thought you know that was pretty intense but yeah it's just the pun after pun and just like Oh my God! This like no. So yeah, that's why that that's why he came to number four for me. My number four is Mila Jovovich as the Blood Queen and Hellboy. If you saw Hellboy that came out last year, I'm sorry. Um, I I love the Ron Perlman Hellboy movies. I know they're not everyone's favorite, but I liked what he did with those. I thought you know, Guillermo del Toro did a great job with setting up that world and all the monsters and creatures and the fighting yeah. style and the humor. It, it was there. Like that was, you know, that was Hellboy for me. So we had this new version come out last year and it was, you know, let's, let's make it darker, grittier rated R and uh, it was a big misstep. I feel bad because I think David Harbour is a great actor and he could have been a good Hellboy, but the movie just, it was a big fail. Um, there were some cool action moments that I liked, but Mila was, the blood queen. And it was such a like very stock typical, like I'm the evil witch character. And I just, I was so over it. So, um, you know, I, have liked her in other projects, but uh, I did, I, that she comes in at number four for me on that. Gotcha. All right. Well, coming here at number three for me, um, 
would be going back to the Iron Man universe. Uh, I have two Iron Man villains. Um, and after Iron Man one and two, okay, it was awesome. And then the third one, I was so high hopes for this because um, this is, you know, he's really, he didn't have his suits and stuff. So he's really had to really use his brain and, and things like that. And kind of like he had a, Tony had to be a lot more physical um, and a little more inventive. But I was very upset because of the fact is the main villain who I thought was going to be this great um, villain. Cop out. Cop Cop out. 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 Not what you think, because I love him to death, but the villain to replace him, who was technically the uh, main villain, is Iron Man 3, the role of the Mandarin, uh, or Aldris Killian, played by... Um, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. And uh, because the reason I didn't say um, Ben Kingsley, who plays what they did with that film, they were trying to make it um, realistic in the fact that, oh, you know, um, you know, in this world that we live in, you know, with terrorism and, you know, puppets and, and governments, stuff like that, um, they weren't doing the magic. Unfortunately, MCU later on did do that. But the Mandarin is this guy who's this power. He's like one of Iron Man's biggest villains. And they made him just this goofy guy. And then the real villain is this like corporate sleaze. Uh-huh. And and unfortunately, they already did that in the other film with Justin Hamer's character a little bit. And it was just like, you know, this guy buries fire. He was just like real stupid. So I was just like, it wasn't doing for You're me. Over it. Yeah, I was just all the uh, guy. I love Guy Pierce, But Guy Pierce is great. Um, but that kind of leads me to my number three. Is yes. J- Jamie Foxx as Electro. Um, okay. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was uh, a misstep for me in that universe. You know, I, I liked uh, Andrew Garfield. I liked what the world was setting up. I liked the first film. Um, they were kind of making it their own and doing it a little different than what the Sam Raimi films had been. But uh, it was like... It's like uh, they went back to like kind of like a cheesy stock character... And it was like, all right, we got this nerdy guy, kind of wants to be, you know, noticed and all that stuff, and no one really pays attention to him. Then once he becomes Electro, it's just like, he kind of became like the Frankenstein monster Electro for the whole movie. And um, they had like, you know, the, the, the you know his voice was like, like, <sighs> like the entire time. Like it had that, like that, like, you know, yeah. whenever he talked, it was like, I gotta get Spider-Man. <laughs> it was like that weird, like, like they kind of like that, like electro, like it was literally electronic sound through his voice, I and I don't know. I just you know, that was you know first time seeing that character come to life on screen, and I it just didn't do it for me. So that was my number three. Gotcha. Um, my next one, and I don't know how you're gonna think about this, but this is just me because I've seen this character portrayed by two other people, and I didn't like what they did for the DC universe. Was Lex Luthor Jesse Eisenberg? Okay. I. I just because I, I he wasn't I, I don't think he was trying to play like the Lex Luthor we know but it was just like all I saw was Jesse Eisenberg just playing just himself and it was just like oh hey you you do not mess with that guy he's just you know uh, uh, you know and it just wasn't he wasn't very menacing I wanted him to go a little darker a little bit and um it just it just didn't do it for me especially when you got these you got Batman who's this older seasoned and then you got you know Superman. Um, he just wasn't uh, to me. He didn't do it for me. He didn't like. Wasn't. I think memorable. the problem was. <clears throat> I remember a lot of people were like this when it was yeah. first announced. I think. I think it was just. It was a case of bad casting. Yeah. I, I think Jesse Eisenberg is a fine actor. He's he's done a lot of movies I love, and um, he's a great actor. 
Lex Luthor is supposed to be a big man who is bald, who is supposed to be this ultimate smart genius. Megalomaniac. And, you know, megalomaniac. And it's like Jesse Eisenberg's type is small, nerdy, you know, computer guy. It was like, I, I could see why they were maybe... Now, they were they were kind of playing this whole, like, Lex Luthor's son element, but I don't know. I, just, I feel like... I think that was the thing that um, the director... Just, it was bad casting. I yeah. think um, I think he did fine with what he was given and what he could do, but I agree it's uh, it's a misstep in terms of you know we still haven't really had a really you know there's been some good ones in the past, but I still want to see like a proper the person I thought was going to get cast and who would have been a great choice have been Brian Cranston. I think he'd be yes. great, Lex Luthor. Still could, still could. Still could. Brian Cranston, um, if you listen. <laughs> well, my number two. Uh, my next two are actually from the same film, but my okay. number two is Kara Delavinge. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. Delavine. Uh, Delavine, there you go. Uh, she was the Enchantress in Suicide Squad. This oh, was on God. This was I on our in. list at first. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> wow. A model an actress does not make. Um, Enchantress. You know, we get this a lot. We get all these, you know, people that are in other fields, such as... Uh, models or singers or stuff like that and they they get cast into acting sometimes it works great sometimes it doesn't and that movie was apparent to me that she's not a strong actress and i was really you know the way that the film was uh was uh marketed i thought the joker was gonna be the bad guy that's what it made it sound like it sounded like you know all right this is suicide squad they have to go on one mission and if they do it they'll be fine uh i'm sure there's government stuff in there but i thought the joker was the main villain then you see the movie, it's like the Enchantress is the villain. And just, it just, then it got in the whole CGI elements and just, you know, it felt like it just, uh, I was really over it. So that's my number two. I thought she was uh, not a very good actress and I, I was over that character. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. As your number two, and here, growing out, finishing my list, number one. And this is kind of funny, this goes with the kind of the, my number one, number two were both real dorky characters that probably shouldn't have been cast in that role. And my number one is going to be the controversial role of Venom played by Topher Grace in Spider-Man three. He was almost on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first of all, unfortunately Topher Grace, when I think of Topher Grace, he will always be Eric Foreman from that seven new mm-hmm. show. No yep. offense to him, but he just, he doesn't have that intimidating look. Eddie Brock Venom is this big hulking guy. He's, you know, he's, he's already menacing enough. And you don't want to mess with him because Peter Parker by himself without his spider powers is nothing. But uh, and then they were trying to make he was trying to be this suave and cool dude, like the opposite of Peter Parker. But he was almost trying to do a, a lamer version of Peter Parker. And I just and it, it's again, this is maybe again, just a t- miscast because I think they could have had. Well, actually, I've, some, read, I've read a lot of interviews with Sam Raimi, with yeah. Sam Raimi that he said that um, he didn't want to have Venom in the movie. Uh, yes, that was a studio thing as they wanted more villains. So I think at that point he was stuck to a studio decision and he went with the choice of because they were marketing so heavily the whole idea of like the other suit. I think they yeah. wanted like we need like an anti Peter Parker who is the same yeah. size so that when they fight, it's like the same. And yeah, it, it just it did not pull off. And the Venom was just so weak. And it was just like, you know, the the scene, we, the scene, the, yeah. the scene at the church tower when he's ripping off the suit that was great. That's like straight from the yeah. comics. But then from that point on, it just was a miss. Now the Venom well, movie yeah. is 
uh, it's like a joyous turd in the wind. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> I, you know, at least that venom is the venom we're you know we're, we're used to. But um, yes. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, well, my number one is uh, we have mentioned so far in this episode three other actors who have played this same role. Okay. But this one will, to this day, I think it goes down as a the misstep. And it, it again, it could have been, this is a movie that really, after seeing it, I think I've seen it now twice, um, it's just not a good, it's not a good superhero movie. Um, but I got to give it to Jared Leto as the Joker. Um, yeah. Now, I've read a lot of stuff that's saying that he had been, he had filmed many scenes that did not make the final cut. So, I mean, his character was cut down to about 11, 12 minutes of footage in the movie. But, you know, we'd seen Heath Ledger, and again, we talked about how he did this whole great new take. So now it was like, you're the guy who's going to now do this first new Joker. And this is about four years later. Post. Actually, it was uh, eight Uh, years later. When was uh when 2008 was, uh, was Dark Knight and Suicide Squad was 2016. No, but The Dark Knight Rises was 2012. 2012, yeah. But at that point there was no in terms it, of Joker. Um but the problem is Oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Blank out. Yeah. The problem is they were like, okay, it's been 8 years and we're, you know, we're doing this new we need to do a new take and how it fits our story and it just was like it just made you kind of go, is this real? Is this really what they're doing? It was now, cringy. It was cringy. It was just like, this is like, not even like, it's just too much. It was like <laughs> way too, yeah. And I think if they had just done some more scenes that maybe alluded to the fact that he's not the Joker, but he's Jason Todd, who is one of the Robins, who was then essentially killed by the Joker and turned into a Joker, I think it would have made more sense. I think it was the fact that everyone's thinking like, oh, this is a new Joker. Here we go. We've seen, we're reading all these stories of how he's doing all this method acting and he's sending people rats and, and condoms and like all this like weird stuff he's been doing. And then when I finally saw the end product, I was like, that's a joke. I was like, the joke's on me, the audience who had to pay to see that piece of shit. So, um, we were all seeing it for him. Uh, and you know what? Jared Leto, I think, is a great actor. He's, you know, yeah. plenty of roles he's done that I really admire. And I was like, oh, he's he, going to be great for this role. And exciting so for I'm excited do... for him to do Morbius. He has yep. Morbius coming up uh, this fall, if it's still coming out in the fall, depending on how things are going this whole year is kind of up in the air. Um, I think it'll be exciting for him to have a new comic book movie character that hopefully will go well, that will maybe lead to multiple movies to kind of yep. get people's minds off of um, what he had done. But you know, it's just it's like, you know, a great actor and great source material does not a great performance make. It really not takes a lot of work. But anyway, that was our five honorable mentions, our five dishonorable mentions. And that comes to the end of our episode. So thank you so much for staying tuned with us today in our villainous comic book villain portrayals. Um, we will do an episode in the future of Heroes. Yeah, that we're gonna obviously do the the flip side of it. Of... Well, uh, well, of course, we'll talk about uh, many of these comic book movies uh, in future episodes. But um, thanks for listening, and we'll be with you next time. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast, 
or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.